Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig. We're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin Conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Thelma Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Oh, yeah. Matt Odell's well, one thing I one thing I will say, Alex, on the building the node thing, I used the Raspberry Pi and all that, and it took literally I think it took three weeks to sync the, the node or four weeks, and then I got a Mac, um, one of those Mac Minis, and I made a I put a note a note on the Mac Mini instead of the Raspberry Pi, and I'm like, why would I? Why was I not paying the extra three hundred dollars for this Mac Mini? Because this thing synced in like I think it was like eight hours. It was like less because than one day. Because the desk speed, why is it slick sync so slow? I, I don't know, but these Raspberry Pis are fiat as fuck. That's all I got to say about that. I don't know why everybody's all promoting these stupid Raspberry Pis. Buy a nice <laughs> computer. It's stupid. Now, if you get Raspberry Pi in the Virtual Man pack, then you get like 12,000 video games. So there's that. Still hate them. Priorities. Priorities. I want to say good morning to CK and Odell. Good morning, guys. Good morning. What's up, fam? Uh, quick shout out to Matt, like, dude, so excited to have you here. Um, huge fan of you and like Marty grew up as a Bitcoiner listening to you guys' stuff. So, uh, big props, man. Love what you do for the community. Cheers. Glad to hear that. Honestly, makes it all worth it. So what we, uh, do is on this show, we first 30 minutes ish, we talk about Bitcoin events and news it's funny when we first started doing this we could only do it for about 15 minutes because there just wasn't that many news items in bitcoin but nowadays there's headlines coming out the butt so we actually have to (laughs) curate which ones we're going to talk about so we'll do that for the first 30 we'll do some announcements and then we'll dig into some stuff with uh you guys odell ck good morning tone vase how you doing man Morning, guys. Morning. You sound tired. You sound tired, bro. How was that conference? <laughs> oh, the conference was great. Well, it's also kind of early. I'm in, I'm in Mexico now. I'm like in a tent in the uh, middle of like Baja. So it's, uh, but yeah, it's uh, the conference was awesome. Uh, I mean, some of you were there. It was freaking amazing. Crushed expectations. <laughs> All I can say is the right way to do post-conference recovery is in a tent in Mexico. So you're killing it, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out here with uh, with a few friends. Uh, they're probably both going to be in here. Uh, uh, Jimmy and uh, Surfer Jim and uh, uh, Jimmy G. There he is, Crypto Zorro. Nice. So lots of stuff going on. Let's dig in. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. 
Welcome, everybody. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific. We roll for about two hours. Talk about all things Bitcoin. This is the place to get your morning news on Bitcoin. And it's also becoming the preferred hangout for some of the smartest people in Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. What is going on? Are, are uh, you guys going to cover? The, I'm sorry. Are, are you guys going to cover the Biden's executive order thing? Because that's really because I'm I'm not up to date on that at all. So I'm hoping you guys do. Yes, sir. It's on the uh, it's on the schedule. Awesome. Here. We'll hit it. Um, in Swan news, uh, the Swan Cannon is up. It's SwanBitcoin.com/slash/Cannon. It's curated content. Some of the top people in Bitcoin, smartest people in Bitcoin, who are experts in various different areas, have created what we call rabbit holes, where they assemble different pieces of information. Um, could be based on security, could be custody, could be mining, could be whatever. Um, in fact, Matt O'Dell's got one, which is huge. It's 36 hours and 55 minutes long. <laughs> but... <laughs> But by the end of it, I'm sure you'll be uh, pretty well versed in Bitcoin security. I try to keep it on the shorter side. I, I thanks, man. I'm sure everyone appreciates that. No, Just seriously, light check reading. it out. Seriously, check it out. I mean, there's no shortcutting the process, guys. There's no shortcutting it. You have to do the work. A lot of people come around Bitcoin and they're like, "Hey, you know, why should I do Bitcoin?" And then somebody tells them, and they're like, "Okay." And then if they don't do any work, that's about as far as they go. So you really want to understand you got to do the work. Okay, a couple things news-wise. The United States is again passing stupid multi-trillion dollar bills. I just want to say a couple of quick things because I'm not going to dive too deep into that. But number one, for whoever needs to hear this, our country is a republic, not a democracy. Always has been. So these guys who are trying to tell you that it's a democracy, it's not. Do your homework. Do your research. Repeat it. There's some people that want you to think this is mob rule. It helps them incite people against each other. Don't fall for that shit. It's a republic. Pretty tough Next. rhetoric there, though, Alex. Not going to lie. Sorry? Say it's again? Pretty tough rhetoric in terms of uh, saying it's not a democracy, although it might be actually correct. Um, well, that, that's a tough position. Well, yeah, legally, it's a constitutional republic is what it's a constitutional it. republic, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing it's a with democratic you, right? system. <laughs> it's a democratic system for sure. I'm just trying to point out that a lot of people like to call it a, a democracy, but it's not really. Anyway, we can dig into that. I don't want to. I don't want to go down of that. As a, uh, I just want to shout out Svetsky's recent uh, series on Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, which is Bitcoin is not democratic, part one through three. So that one's banger. Love Svetsky. He has some very <laughs> interesting takes, doesn't he? He's a great guy, though. Um, okay, so let's move on to the executive order. I just want to say one thing about executive orders. These things are essentially a violation of three-branch structure of government designed to avoid concentration of too much power in any single branch. So don't really like those to begin with, just needed to get that out there. However, Bitcoin did pump 8% on the leak of the, uh, the, the executive order and treasury's um, statement on it. According to the U.S. Treasury, 40 million Americans have already invested in Bitcoin and crypto. 
So some bullets on this. This approach, according to these guys, this is Yellen, this approach will support responsible innovation that could result in substantial benefits for the nation, consumers, and businesses. It will also address risks related to illicit finance, protecting consumers and investors. Oh, we need your protection so much. And preventing threats to the financial system and broader economy. I love how they always bring the illicit finance and protecting people into play. Um, Treasury leaked statement mentioned stable coins and DeFi as risk areas for stability. So mostly it was a lot of it was about stable coins. And uh, they didn't, as far as I know, I don't think they even mentioned Bitcoin once. I mean, I have the whole text here. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's big, but I don't think they mentioned Bitcoin. But they did say to drive U.S. competitiveness and leadership in digital asset technologies. What else? Uh, Biden's top economic and security advisors, Brian Deese, Jake Sullivan, respectively, said that the order establishes the first comprehensive federal digital asset strategy for the United States. I could be wrong, but I thought Satoshi already did that. And the rest of the world. Um, Governments are always three steps behind, Alex. 100%. They're also going to fail beautifully at setting up their own central bank digital currency. Like (laughs) They're going to have to end up acquiring one of these stable coins to do it properly. I mean, the U.S. already has FedCoin, which is all the stable coins. If anyone's winning the the CBDC race, at least it's it's the USD. What's wrong with WorldCoin? <laughs> I forgot about that one. Oh, man. Wait, isn't that the one where there's an eyeball that fucking scans you? It's the, the yes, biometric that's the, scanner. that's the best part of it. I met one of their employees at the, at the Bitcoin, the SF Bitcoin meetup, and uh, I, I put it to him. And uh, ultimately... Bitcoin uses too much energy, so this is the only other option. Jesus. So, any other thoughts on this executive order? I mean, I think I think a lot of people were concerned that it was going to be super anti-Bitcoin. As it turns out, I don't even think they talked about Bitcoin. It's a, it's a it, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Ah, uh, just it's a complete joke. I mean, I don't. It's just a massive nothing burger. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's also, it's actually, in my opinion, it's a good kind of, it brings light to the fact that maybe our politicians are actually learning and paying attention that you can't just outright ban Bitcoin. So maybe they are actually learning. That That's a good step in the right direction. That Cynthia Lummis actually said that, didn't she? I, I, I don't remember where I read this, but I read that she said at one point, she was either doing an interview or spaces or something, and she said, you know, up here, it, we're, when we're talking about it amongst um, legislators, they're all starting to figure it out that, that we can't stop Bitcoin. I think uh, I think that was during the um, interview she had with the Orin, Orin HG Foundation. I might have got the letters incorrect, but yeah, I think she said it there. I think you guys are reading too much into this. Just a bunch of buzzword, word vomit, and a waste of paper. Explain. On a serious note, elaborate. Like, uh, Hang on, hang on, hang on. I want want to hear what Matt has to say about this. What do you mean by that? 
I mean, did did you take it? How can you take anything away from that piece of paper? Like it's fucking ridiculous. It's it's just like it's a it's just a bunch of boomers that have no idea what they're fucking talking about that want to pretend they're doing something and do absolutely nothing. Oh, you mean the executive order? Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% could agree with that, man, 100%. That's what I was saying is like these two dudes, the top economic and security advisors for the Biden administration are saying that it establishes the first comprehensive federal digital asset strategy for the United States. And I'm like, you knuckleheads. Fucking Bitcoin already exists, man. Who Biden is Satoshi Nakamoto now? The interesting okay. thing is that they this is the first executive order from my memory that they had to like announce four times before they dropped it and they happened to leak something about it, um, which is a little weird. Uh people were also like saying it was gonna be a nothing burger or an order to do a report or some shit like that, uh a couple of weeks back. I yeah, I think that that was like a pretty popular narrative here on Twitter. So uh pretty interesting to see that actually play out and you know. <laughs> They didn't come after Bitcoin. I've been saying for a long time that the altcoin complex that I like to call the Hydra of shit protects Bitcoin. Uh, it, it is a distraction and it DDoSes regulators. So the fact that they didn't mention Bitcoin once, uh, I think shows that I'm right about the Hydra of shit. Um, but yeah, uh, I agree with Matt. It's a nothing burger. Bitcoiners were ahead of this. And uh it's it's fun to not be caught flat-footed by regulators this time around, and hopefully we can keep that trend. Just and, and to add to that, it's like just because they didn't attack Bitcoin here doesn't mean that we shouldn't game theory it out and like let off on the gas at all. I think it should push people to still get their own nodes running, still get their stuff in cold storage while they can. Because if I was going to think of worst case scenarios, and I'm sure everybody up here was thinking of worst case scenarios, you're thinking something along the lines of what if they removed offboarding from exchanges? You couldn't offboard your Bitcoin into a cold, into a hard wallet, into cold storage from an exchange. Uh, and then to onboard it back onto the exchange that you had to prove the KYC Bitcoin wallet address or something like that to onboard it back onto an exchange. So that would be the two things that I'd be most worried about so as of right now just because they didn't we shouldn't take a sigh of relief but we should further game theory and further push that people should take it into their own hands right now uh that's how i look at it it's like just yeah. because the you know what i mean like the, i still see them as the enemy i still want to make sure that everybody strategized against that yeah yeah 100 if i if i could do the 100 emoji and fist bump I, I would just doing it the whole time you're saying that it was nothing more than virtue signaling for political gain I mean, look, we've got an election coming up in eight months, and this is a significant, uh, this community holds a significant number of votes, and I, I saw it nothing more than that. You know, where if you bring up, I'm, I'm sorry, Alex. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I, I think Worth brings up a good point um, that we've talked about before with regards to you know, vetting politicians that are, that are saying they're behind Bitcoin. I, I'm glad if they really are, but we need to do our best to try to vet them, make sure they understand it or have people around them that do. Watch what they do, not what they say. The beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that there's the proof of work test. So, um, you know, if, if they have some resemblance of understanding a proof of work, if they, indeed, if they embrace and, and love proof of work, it's pretty obvious to tell. And then if they're like, I like Bitcoin, but proof of work is a problem, then usually that that is a, 
immediate tell of a faker. Yeah, well said. I agree, hundred percent. Um, not much to talk about as far as updates on Ukraine, et cetera, unless one of you guys has something interesting. I mean, that whole thing obviously is a it's an example to the world that you should buy Bitcoin, you should have self-custody, and oh, by the way, if your country's at war, you should memorize your seed phrase. If you have to walk across the border, you can walk across with all the value that you have. You know, there's over a million Ukrainians that have fled that war now. And uh, sadly to say, I think a lot of them are going to go back and find out that their properties might be gone, destroyed, bombed out, whatever. Um, and they could have, if they prepositioned themselves, put a lot more value into Bitcoin, carried it with them. I don't have anything else to add regarding Ukraine. If anybody has anything important, go ahead. I would just say be careful memorizing shit. I mean, you'll very easy to forget. And if if you know you can hit your head or something and then you're really fucked. I uh, I think people tend to overthink a lot of this shit. Um you know, it, it obviously depends on your threat model and what the situation is and how hostile a border is, but um most border guards aren't looking for this type of thing. And if you just have, you know, 12 words like written in a book or something um, that you're carrying with you on different pages and you have maybe a passphrase that you keep in your head, a short passphrase, and then you just immediately sweep it when you cross the border. 99% of the time, that'll be fine. And uh, just keep it as simple as, as possible because if you overcomplicate things, uh, you tend to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, and on the on the first wallet, so the, when you have, the, say you did a 12-worder so you can memorize it easier, on that wallet, leave a little bit of money there, leave a little bit of Bitcoin on that one, and then with your passphrase, then put the majority on the passphrase. So if they did get the 12 words, you could be like, oh, you got it, there it is. And then you keep you still have the 12 words memorized in the passphrase, and then you have access to the real wallet. So if you wanted to really game theory it out, I, I always recommend to leave a little chunk on that first initial wallet so that people don't even know that you have a passphrase on it. Because if you ever got robbed or if somebody wanted to, they wanted to prove that you had some sort of money there, it's much better. If you're like, oh, you got my grand, there it is. And then you really have secretly your 99,000 or something somewhere else. I don't know if anybody watched the, uh, it's been a while since it was on, but there was a pretty amazing series called Prison Break. And uh, Wentworth Miller uh, played uh, uh, Michael Schofield. And uh, Michael Schofield is a very successful engineer. And his brother was actually in prison um, on death row. And um, his game was to go to prison and break his brother out of prison. And on his body, he had the entire plans of the prison, the escape route tattooed. <laughs> so if you're into tattoos, you can, you can plan all your, your, uh, your words on your hidden in your tattoos. You'd have to be pretty crafty about that. I'd like to dig into more of this stuff a little bit. Um, when we focus in on Matt and CK here in a little bit, because Matt, I know you've done a lot of work with sort of um, people around the world who are, who are fighting for human rights, human rights organizations, and just kind of people have been really like hammered 
so to speak, and and what are sort of best practices under duress and under those kinds of circumstances. So I think you're probably one of the best people in the industry to talk about that stuff. Uh, what else is going on? I think it's, we should touch on the cost of things going up briefly. I know we covered this yesterday, but it's still mind-blowing. Brief. It's probably worth repeating. Go ahead, Worth. I'm sorry, I didn't have anything. Did I hit my... Yep, maybe. That's okay. No big deal. So, um, as you guys know, crude oil has surged. I don't know what the exact numbers are right now, but it hit 130 at one point up 94% year over year, gasoline up 81% year over year, coal up 357% year over year, propane up 68, uranium up 85, wheat hit an all-time high of 1120, not sure where it is right now. Gold has been on a rampage, aluminum is up 63% year over year, 10, 95% nickel, 399% year over year, they actually had to close the exchange for that. That reminds me, we're actually, uh, we have a big announcement today. Uh, we're rebranding Bitcoin 2022 to Nickel 2022. Hey, on, on, <laughs> on a serious note, on the Nickel front, uh, so I'm from the precious metals industry and everybody's talking about Nickel, but the thing that people don't talk about is that the byproduct of Nickel is Palladium. And nobody's, like, if you look at the Palladium chart over the last couple months here, it's up over 100%. And it's like, but the the funny part is that as nickel continues to skyrocket, it, it's going to cost more money to mine palladium because palladium is the the tiny little byproduct. I mean, it's like a thousand to one or ten thousand to one, maybe even. It's the the ratio of palladium to uh, nickel. So I'd imagine that's going to trickle over to that too. But one thing I wanted to comment on with the the sanctions and stuff like that, I have a hard time believing that Putin is just going to be like, oh, no, no problem. Here's your oil. Everything's fine now. No worries. Like, I got your, it's fine. You didn't sanction the oil. Okay. We're not going to charge more money or anything like that. Or we're not going to denominate into a different currency like euros or something. It's it's no big deal. It's fine. You, the US, it's cool. I have a hard time believing that he's not going to retaliate in some way, shape or form. Uh, and, and by the way, with the nickel, it, they have a much bigger stranglehold on a lot of other things than nickel. Nickel, they're only, I think they're only like 10% of the production of the nickel is in, in Russia. So I just did a video on that the other day to kind of go into detail on it. But there's really not that much nickel mining. But they do have a stranglehold on a lot of other things. Didn't Putin already announce the Petro, uh, the Petro ruble and that he's only accepting rubles for, for oil? Am I making that up? Well, it's, that one's not going too well right now, so I think he might change that to gold or Bitcoin or, or did Euros. Did he actually or... say that, though? Did he, did he say that at some point? Well, he did say we're getting off of the dirty Rothschild dollar, quote-unquote. So, I mean, that's pretty heavy. That's not the same thing as <clears> – <throat> it's not quite the same thing as saying we're selling oil for a different currency. Like, this is a very touchy subject for U.S. Um, national defense. I mean, they consider it a national defense issue. Anytime anybody has ever said, if you go back through history, I can remember a handful of different events where any leader who said, we're going to be selling oil for a currency other than the United States dollar, I mean, it quickly led to military conflict with the U.S. It was Saddam, I think, who said he was going to go to euros. I think it was Gaddafi that said he was going to go to gold, and then Saddam wanted to go to euros. But what's interesting is Russia, I think they're holding 40% euros now. Uh, so they, they've been, I think hey, they have. Rob, more. They're not, they're not holding them anymore. Those have been frozen. They don't have those euros. 
Yeah, but the thing is, when you have a stranglehold on the on Europe's energy, I, I don't know how they can just freeze those assets in a way. They I mean, can how, freeze them. That's that's what we've been talking about the last couple of days. They can absolutely freeze them. Well, and then he I, then he freezes his pipelines, you know, and then then Germany and all and yes. all of Europe doesn't get their oil. Yes. No. What what uh, if oil keeps going up higher? If let's say oil is hitting two hundred dollars a barrel. Uh, Putin will be very interested in striking a deal with his friends like China and sell it to them at a massive discount and Europe just gets more fucked. Yeah, so just, you know, this concept of, oh, they can't freeze it because then Putin will shut off the, the gas and all that. I mean, yeah, exactly. This is a war. So here's the interesting part about it to me. This is that it shows the breakdown in trust between counterparties. And by counterparties, I mean nations. When nations go to war big time, like that paper is effectively useless. They're all like, yeah, we don't trust you fuckers anymore. That's just the reality of it. So like, real quick, yeah, real quick, we did a interview with Luke Roman on Bitcoin Magazine Live with Ansel Lindner yesterday. And he was talking about that exact point, which is that you know, when it comes down to it in war, the real value is the oil, the real value is the quote unquote commodity. Um, and it's not the paper, especially when the paper gets weaponized, as we've seen it get weaponized the last few weeks. Yeah, 100%. Also, also let's, uh, let's be specific. By oil, we mean oil and gas. They're technically different. So we might as well just say energy to be like politically, to be like technically correct. Bang, bang, you're right. Yeah, energy mix, right? Which is, yeah. It's all about harnessing, harvesting, transporting, directing energy, which is really what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin, in my opinion, is the most efficient energy arbitrage mechanism ever created. I think and, we're talking well, about like, that we, point uh, that, that on exporting oil. Where it's like we we are the number one producer in the U.S. Saudi Arabia, I think, was number one for a while, and then I think now we're number one. Russia's number two right now, but the thing is, they're number one in exporting. And it's not like you could just all of a sudden be a great exporter of oil overnight. And people tend to forget that Russia is set up for exporting. They have the facilities to export their oil, where we don't. Uh, so there's something to be said about the the capabilities to export on top of the fact that you're pumping oil at the same time. Yeah, and when it comes to gas, it's even more, it's it's like 100x that, right? Because Russia's got pipelines into Europe for the gas. The, uh, the United States, yeah, the United States has a lot of natural gas. Most of it is just being burned off. Uh, some of it is starting to get used for Bitcoin mining, at least. Also, the whole climate change, you know, crazies have stopped fracking. I mean, we can debate fracking, whether it's good or bad for the environment, but like the U.S. is not producing a lot of natural gas. And if they did, it's a nightmare exporting it to Europe because there's no pipeline. You got to liquefy it. And uh, Russia is very set up with that. And that is one of the big debates. Like most of Russian gas is currently going through Ukraine because of Ukraine's anti-Russian views over the last decade. Russia was working on a pipeline to bypass Ukraine to go through like Finland and Sweden. That's the Nordstrom 2 avoiding Ukraine. U.S. didn't like that at all, right? Because now uh, the U.S. favorite Ukraine will not benefit from that gas going through its own through its ally, Russia. So the U.S. tried to basically counter that by 
taking over the Leviathan gas field that was discovered in 2010 that a bunch of countries had a stake in, basically Greece, and it's right off the coast of Cyprus. I'm not sure if Cyprus had a claim on it. Israel, uh, Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, and all those countries are in serious trouble. Tone. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to pause you for a second. We could go deep down that rabbit hole. I don't want to get sidetracked. There's a reason I brought up the whole point about um, countries not trusting their counterparties. I'm going to tell a brief story as it, in regards to gold and conclude with a point. Then we're going to do some announcements. We're going to dive in and focus on CK and Odell. The story is this, because <clears throat> there was some controversy. You know, <laughs> We had Tina in here the other day, and he was like, gold's not going to work because you can't transport it, which, by the way, I agree with. Um, but somebody was bringing up, yeah, they'll just stick it on planes and all that other kind of stuff, and, and Russia and China will settle they're they're trading gold and and the the story is this there was a time when i worked in that industry i was at a i was at a dinner for the lbma which is the london bullion market association these guys are like they're like the industry standard for for institutional gold trade and <clears throat> so it has refineries banks miners security companies things like that at this dinner, I was sitting next to the head of security for Group 4 Securicor. Now, there's one of the largest security companies in the world. They are responsible for transporting institutional size movements of gold globally, amongst others. They're not the only one, but they're one of the big ones. <clears throat> and this guy was telling us a story about how there was a time when China was buying a lot of gold from Russia directly. And the way they were moving it was in tank trains. This guy would ride with tanks <laughs> from the Russian side all the way up where it would be transferred to the Chinese side. And then they would roll with tanks. They weren't transferring it on airplanes. And if you look in the history of how gold is moved around, a lot of time it's when it's substantial amounts, especially during war, it's moved by the military. It's no longer a civilian affair. You're not just going to stick it on an airplane. God, I hope you wouldn't stick it on an airplane during a war because it's pretty easy for those things to get shot down. And you just imagine 400 ounce gold bricks raining down from the sky. That'd be interesting. But the the point of all of that is, is that gold cannot perform what Bitcoin can perform in that. You have that risk. The reason you have the militaries transporting that shit is because it's valuable and they don't want anybody to steal it. There's a problem with that, logistical problem. Whereas Bitcoin doesn't have that issue. You know, during time of war, paper money stops being money, gold is a strategic asset. This is the reason nations have gold on their balance sheet, guys. Not only is it the emergency reset button should fiat currencies fail. But it's also a strategic asset and because it becomes the money during war. Credit Suisse just said this. They said, after this war, I'm paraphrasing it, but there was a report by Credit Suisse. They said, after this war, money will never be the same. Why? Because they're freaking freezing the paper assets of their counterparties and everybody in the world is watching this happen. Which... The last part of their statement was, and Bitcoin will benefit from it. What does that mean? 
Well, it means you can move any amount of value anywhere in the world instantaneously at near zero cost. And you don't have to worry about putting it on tanks or in submarines or on ships guarded by other ships. It's just the future. Anybody yeah, no, I, I could, couldn't, couldn't agree more because China is looking at this and they're like, well, if they're doing that to Russia, what happens when we're next? Yeah, I mean, I think that Credit Suisse report is, uh, I mean, it can't be understated. First of all, I mean, it was one analyst, not the whole organization, uh, just to be clear. But, uh, I mean, he laid it all out, basically the end of the dollar hegemony. And I thought that last, he literally ended the whole piece with the first mention of Bitcoin, because he was talking about, it was mostly about like a return to like a gold standard and commodity-backed money. Um, but then his last line was, and Bitcoin parentheses, if it still exists, then we'll probably benefit from all of this. And I think there's a, there's a couple of things to take away from there. First of all, Bitcoin's a part of that conversation, which is uh, pretty unreal to see if you've been in this space uh, for any amount of time, really. And then second of all, that parentheses is really key if it still exists then, because I, you know, most people that are managing money right now, most people that have big pockets, I think still heavily doubt that Bitcoin will exist. So, I mean, that's our alpha right there um, is our conviction that it will exist and that we're betting on that because most people have not deployed yet. Like 99.9% .9 of people haven't deployed yet. You take the entire population of the, of the globe into account. Uh, so we're still very early, I like to remind people that. Oh yeah, Alex, my bad, I'm going off on the energy. So I'm going back to my geology days. That was my first field of study. I have a, I'm actually a geologist by, as my first uh, degree and uh, initial profession. <laughs> I actually I thought was that was that was a rain. great point you were yeah I was loving it too that was a great point you brought up about liquid how needing to liquefy natural gas I mean no most people don't think about that it, or, and most ener this energy is in gas form so to just transport that is ridiculous uh, so I actually really enjoyed that rant. Yeah, All right, so let's do some quick pipeline. And your pipeline points uh, were were very insightful too. So uh, you were killing it, and I uh, love talking about energy. Quick, a couple quick announcements, and then we'll dig into some other stuff here. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific, roll for two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin is becoming the place to get your Bitcoin news in the morning, as well as a preferred hangout for a lot of the smartest people in Bitcoin to just chill, talk about what's going on. This is a podcast. It's up on Spotify and Apple. Throw a follow to Swan Bitcoin to be notified of when it drops. We've got Bit 2022 coming up, which we're going to talk about about here in just a couple of minutes in depth. Bitcoinerjobs.com. If you want a job in Bitcoin, go there. If you're a company and you want to post jobs to hire Bitcoiners, Bitcoinerjobs.com. <clears throat> couple of quick things about Swan, by the way. Swan can take customers from all around the world. We are global in terms of who we can accept. So if you're from the MENA region, South America, North Africa, Europe, wherever, doesn't matter. There's only a small group of countries that are we cannot serve, but we can serve pretty much everybody. And as if you have a business and you want to onboard a business to buy Bitcoin, Swan has the fastest onboarding times in the industry. I've heard horror stories where people 
talk to me and they say like, man, I've been waiting six weeks or two months or three months. We rock it, man. We will get you probably on board in less than a week is what our current uh, flow is looking like. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about energy and custody and the reason why all that kind of stuff is important. Let's uh, also, let's talk about the Bitcoin 2022 conference or the nickel 2022 conference. What is it? Which is it? I think we decided to rebrand to Palladium 2022 now. Yeah, I say yesterday, I can't wait to meet some of these uh, toxic nickel mac. Nickelbackers toxic. are definitely toxic. Toxic nickel maximalists. Yeah, I second the palladium uh, maximalist. Uh, that I like that that name. It's a good one. Yo, Bitcoin 2022, 28 days away. Crazy. That's exactly four weeks. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about the conference. Pretty fired up for this thing. I'm really looking forward to meeting a lot of you guys. So, 30,000 plus people. What are you guys up to right now, CK? Yeah, I mean, line of sight on 30,000. Uh, we definitely are seeing the, uh, the thir like, so historically, the last 30 days is when like 50% of ticket sales to events happen. Uh, so we're definitely seeing the the last 30 day pickup uh, kind of really picking up and we are already bigger than Bitcoin 21. So uh, it's going to be an insane event. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people there, a lot of Bitcoiners. Uh, the line I've been using is, you know, nothing makes Bitcoin, Bitcoin as real as 30,000 Bitcoiners coming together in meat space, congregating, uh, really just instantiating this movement. So uh, it's going to be insane. Four days, a music festival at the end, uh, and you know, really huge names coming to serve Bitcoiners. I think that's like the key here is like the city of Miami is serving Bitcoiners. All these artists are coming to serve Bitcoiners, and uh, we've been talking about it earlier. You know, nation states and politicians are starting to bend the knee as well. So uh, really, it's been incredible watching this conference go from you know. 1,800 people at Bitcoin 2019 to now 30,000 people at Bitcoin 2022 just shows goes to show how much bigger this movement is getting, and I can't wait. Really can't. Wait, wait, wait. It's going to be significantly more than 30,000 people. I don't know why everyone's being so bearish here. Um, first of all, I just quick shout out to the asshole in our uh, company Slack who decided to put a countdown timer that pings us every day with how many days to the conference. That um, was me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm well aware it was UCK. Um, yeah, so we're, we're well aware of how many days there are, at least in the org. Um, you know, what I'm most excited about is, is two things. Uh, first of all, we're, we're going to have this open source stage. And this open source stage is, is going to be dedicated to open source projects and contributors. Um, and and very in-depth technical topics. Um, the fire code says that the capacity there is 2,000 people. So it's this massive conference hall within, you know, the largest Bitcoin event in history. 
Um, so just just the open source conference hall alone would be one of the largest Bitcoin conferences that have ever existed. And that's three days full of programming. We've barely released the programming yet. Uh, but some of these topics are just fucking awesome. Side chains, lightning privacy, coin joins, Bitcoin nodes, taproot, signatures, PTLCs, covenants, DLCs, uh, federated Tromian mints. Um, so we're going to go really deep on those topics. Really excited about that. Um, and then the other thing I'm really excited about is we have this new concept that we're calling the Bitcoin Bazaar. Um, which is, you know, I think most Bitcoiners, you know, we at the event last year, uh, Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador was announced. And since then, you know, many Bitcoiners have gone and made the pilgrimage to El Salvador, spent Bitcoin at all these different, you know, small businesses directly in the circular economy fashion. So we're going to try and emulate that a bit at the conference and we're calling it the Bitcoin Bazaar. And there's going to be 40 plus merchants that will be selling goods they're only for Bitcoin. Um, and that's not just like Bitcoin merch, you know, like like crypto cloaks and stuff will be there selling, selling, you know, Bitcoin node cases and stuff like that. But it will also be a bunch of merchants um, that have never used Bitcoin before, that have never accepted Bitcoin before uh, selling their wares for Bitcoin. So I'm really excited about that as well. Shout out for the bizarre. Um, I guess. It, it, as a high level thing, you know, these kind of conferences, when they get huge, they start becoming like a little bit unapproachable for smaller businesses um, and small projects and businesses are a huge, huge part of Bitcoin. So the bizarre, the open source stage, a lot of the stuff that we're doing um, is to make this event as accessible as possible. Uh, so I think the bizarre is going to be a huge, huge success. It's going to really make the conference much more accessible for all the merchants that want to start, you know, dipping their toe into the space, as well as all the smaller companies in the in the Bitcoin space who, you know, want to have a space at the conference rather than having to shell out a ton of money for an exhibitor booth. The Bazaar is a great spot. And Bitcoin Magazine is hosting a book signing uh booth at the bazaar so uh, all of your favorite writers in the space uh, we're already in contact with them they're going to be signing books pretty much all day every day uh, so that's going to be really awesome and that's also happening at the bitcoin bazaar at bitcoin 2022 can't wait so what is the scoop with Industry Day? I know we start with Industry Day, we do two days after that, and then we follow up with a music festival. But what is Industry Day supposed to be about? Like, who is that going to appeal to? What kind of speakers are there going to be? That kind of thing. Yeah, so really the way to think about it, Industry Day is kind of like more or less the B2B day. Uh, but it's not just like business to business, but it's also like, the developers who are building on Bitcoin uh, and really going, really it's, it's the people who are actually working with and building Bitcoin, um, whether it's companies, whether it's developers, whether it's just really, you know, plugged in community members. Um, it's really supposed to kind of appeal to, uh, to the folks who are builders. I'm going to let Matt talk a lot more about the actual content 
But that's that's the demographic that we're trying to create an extra space for. Uh, the crowd is going to be a lot thinner on industry day just because uh, GA pass holders won't be there. Um, and it's just going to be speakers, whales, industry uh, industry day ticket holders. So it's a great opportunity to network with a more curated group. Uh, and obviously, it's a, there, there's going to be content, networking, et cetera, that is really oriented towards getting business done. So uh, we're really excited about Industry Day. It was a huge success last year. And uh, the folks who were a part of Industry Day last year, I guess it was called Whale Day last year, uh, they definitely asked for a lot more content. So uh, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to Industry Day in terms of the content. So I'll pass it over to, to Matt. Yeah, so I mean, historically, uh, industry day has kind of been considered like a suit day, uh, you know, a day a day dedicated to the suits. I think this year, you know, we're really expanding that a lot um, just because, you know, the truth of the matter is Bitcoin is this massive rabbit hole um, and we don't really have that much stage time, you know, at this point, you know, 28 days to the conference, stage time feels almost as scarce as big as multiple stages. So we have the Nakamoto stage, which is the largest stage. Uh, then we have the Genesis stage. Uh, and then we have the open source stage, the mining stage, and the enterprise stage. Um, so the only one of those stages that will not be operating on industry day, industry day is the Genesis stage. So there's going to be some really good mining content that's happening on Industry Day that I think uh, it could be more valuable to a wide-ranging audience. Uh, but obviously, my focus has been open source, the open source stage. And what we're doing on the open source stage for Industry Day is basically like uh, if anyone's ever been to a BitDevs, whether that's in New York or Austin or Chicago, um, BitDevs talks about really highly technical uh, developer content. Uh, content that like you go to, even someone like me, I've been to many bit devs, I go to and I just sit there and I don't understand 90% of what they're talking about. But I try and just like, take it in through osmosis. You know, if you just keep exposing yourself to it, maybe you'll understand some of it. Um, so so open source stage on industry day is going to be super technical um some of the topics we're going to be talking about is signatures vulnerabilities ptlcs trade-offs of bitcoin implementations covenants taproot multi-sig and the history and current state of rbf and like the names we have uh for these are just you know bitcoin core developers like insane insanely talented bitcoin developers um on top of that uh we've given away 250 free industry day tickets um, to contributors of open source projects, uh, 32 different open source projects in the Bitcoin space. If you're a contributor to them um, with a commit before October 1st, uh, you've received a free industry pass, which is the full four-day pass that includes you know, the GA days and Sound Money Fest. So all of those developers will also be there in the crowd, even if they're not speaking, with their free tickets, contributing to the discussion, uh, it'll be a really great time if you're not if you're trying to get into the space as a developer. It's a really great time to network and and get to meet some of these really great minds we have uh, in the space. Um, so I, I'm I'm extremely excited for that and just just to pull it all together. So like Industry Day Open Source Stage will be highly technical. 
Um, and then the next two GA days on the open source stage will be, you know, very, still in-depth open source content, but it will be more accessible to the average person. That uh, totally cracked me up. <clears throat> the thing about hanging out, not understanding what, what <laughs> some of these guys are saying, but hopefully it rubs off. The way the human brain works when we learn stuff is um, you have to have frames of reference to compare stuff to to learn it. And you know what it reminded me of? I don't know if you've seen that movie, The 13th Warrior, but there's this one scene where um, I think it's Antonio Banderas is sitting around the campfire with all these Vikings and they're all speaking this Viking language and he's just listening. Eventually he starts speaking their language just because he was immersed in it for so long. So I don't know. I suppose you had to see that movie to understand what I'm talking about. But yeah, immersion, man, that's the way. Uh, if Because I think a lot of people get intimidated by terminology uh, in Bitcoin. Just hang. You'll figure it out over time. Brecky Bond Bitcoin. Good morning. How you doing, man? More yeah, yeah those, those meetups in New York are really good. I haven't been to the ones in uh, in Austin yet. Hey guys, I gotta run. It was fun. I gotta do a quick stream and then uh, head out. All right, hey Brecky. Tone, <laughs> good tone, seeing are everyone. We going, going up or down? Oh, we going up or down, Tone? Uh, I'm bullish again, man. I think we're going up. This is this is this is good. This is good. <laughs> we avoided a disaster, and uh, as long as we, you know, if if. If as long as we stay above like 30, 35, 36, like I was saying the other day, uh, we can avoid that disaster. Once we break 45, I think we're really going to take off to the upside. Sounds good. I, uh, All right, later, guys. Enjoy. I'm, I'm remembering last year. Matt, what was the last year 200K by conference day? I think we can still do it this year. Moon I, don't, I don't recall that at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, morning, guys. I wanted to uh, ask a stealthy question. I wanted to ask what's going to be happening with the art gallery because, uh, you know, I, when I started my Bitcoin journey, I started listening to a bunch of podcasts, including Citizen Bitcoin who's in the audience. And he always starts his podcast with welcome to the dawn of the Bitcoin renaissance. And I know the theme this year for the art gallery is Bitcoin renaissance. So I'm super excited about that. CK, Matt, what uh, what can you tell us about what's happening in the art gallery? Yeah, so. Last year was the first, I guess, Bitcoin 2019, we, we, we had a really big emphasis on artists. I think that's the first time I actually met Brecky and a handful of other awesome Bitcoin artists. Uh, but Bitcoin 2021, we really took it to the next level. We built out an entire gallery, uh, invited all the best Bitcoin artists that we could find, uh, including Fractal and Crypt, who uh, auctioned off uh, his incredible mirror uh, full node structure at Bitcoin 2021. Um, so that was a huge success. Uh, there was actually some ETH heads that went to Bitcoin 2021 who, you know, told me that, hey, wow, Bitcoin art is so deep. I was actually really like pleasantly surprised. And absolutely, Bitcoin art is incredibly deep. You know, Brecky's one of the, the, the coolest artists uh, in the Bitcoin art space doing some really cool stuff with a lot of different mediums. But yeah, I think uh, Tommy would be able to hit on the details and maybe Matt knows them really well. But, you know, we're bringing in 50 plus artists this year. The art gallery is going to be three or four times bigger. Uh, we have two people, Tommy and uh, another dude who's in the, the space, uh, you know, pretty much working day in, day out uh, to kind of curate and organize and build the best gallery possible. And for four straight days, uh, we're going to have the biggest, the baddest, most extravagant, uh, Bitcoin art display in the world ever. 
uh, at the conference. Uh, we've partnered with Scarcity dot or scarce dot what is it scarcity scarce city scarce dot city yeah <laughs> yeah scarce dot city I apologize scarce dot city which is an awesome uh, lightning and Bitcoin auctioning site uh, to handle all of our auctions again this year so uh, a lot of auctions are going to be going down and man it's just going to be something awesome so it's in the main it's going to be in the main exhibitor hall area behind all of all of the exhibitors. Um, there's going to be this awesome lounge and uh, almost like a maze of Bitcoin art. Uh, so uh, I'm really, really excited to see what, you know, what Tommy and the crew uh, spin up this time around. But yeah, I mean, pretty much all of your favorite Bitcoin artists are going to be there. Brecky, I know you've been talking to Tommy for almost six or seven months now, but uh, it's going to be really fire. Matt, anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, last year, I think we did it really big. Uh, this year, it's going to be even bigger. Um, as CK said, we've already announced fifty over fifty artists. I believe fifty-two artists we've announced, uh, and you know, there's a there's a bunch more coming in the pipeline. Uh, there is a major focus on the art gallery this year and the art experience. Um, the one thing to keep in mind here is, you know, we moved, we changed venues. So this the venue this year for the event is fucking massive it can fit 120,000 people um so as a result everything including the art gallery is going to be much bigger um you know the stage the guys that we're using for the stage they're like we've i i think they've only built a stage this large once before for the main stage um and then one other thing that i think is key to note if anyone was participating in the art gallery last year you know, there was a lot of pain points in terms of how the auctions were run and stuff. Um, and there's been a lot of focus this year on making sure that that whole process is smoother and better. Um, so so that I, I think that is obviously a, a key aspect here. Brecky, you going to have some art in there? I know you're working on something right now. I am going to have, uh, I think, just two sculptures with me this year, one of which I, I auctioned off a while ago. And this this latest uh, Bitcoin eyeball piece that I've been working on and sharing updates on for a while now. So excited to, to finally debut it. It'll be fun. Brecky, what is it like to fly with sculptures? Say again? What is it like to fly with sculptures? Um, <laughs> I actually, I bought like a Pelican case. Um, one of those like cases, like hard shell cases with the foam padding. So I'm just going to kind of carry it on to the plane, not let it out of my sight. Um, but <laughs> I've never done it before. So, uh, wish me luck. Hope, hopefully they don't, uh, give me a lot of shit during security or anything like that. How heavy are the sculptures? Uh, uh one yeah. of the smaller ones only like nine pounds, but the bigger one I think is around 30, maybe less. Okay. That's, that's manageable. Yeah, so it's not it's not too bad. One other thing I would add uh, that is probably uh, very relevant to Brecky and the other artists is, you know, so this year um, the decision was made to go to go further into mainstream culture with Bitcoin culture. So we have this Sound Money Fest, uh, you know, a Bitcoin powered music festival at the end um, where all the artists for that have been paid uh, at least partially in Bitcoin. Um, so they all are Bitcoiners. Um, the, the, the art gallery will be open during the Sound Money Fest as well. Uh, and the Sound Money Fest, uh, you know, 
new corners and pre-corners can just buy the Sound Money Fest tickets. I believe they're like slightly over $100, so they're very accessible. Um, so, so Bitcoin artists will have a lot more exposure um, than they have had in the past, probably the most exposure they've ever had. Yeah, to double down on that, we're selling a lot of, of Sound Money Pass tickets just because all of these artists are listing these tickets on, on their like tour sites and stuff like that. So the music festival on April 9th is definitely going to bring an additional influx of people. And I do think that that bodes very well for both uh, the art gallery, but just people getting exposure to the Bitcoin culture. Like these are people who, you know, maybe they're just showing up to Logic or Steve Aoki. And then they're going to be hanging out with Bitcoiners, partying with Bitcoiners, checking out Bitcoin art, you know, seeing that, oh, wow, I can, people are accepting Bitcoin to, to sell me my burrito. Okay, maybe I should try this out. You know, uh, we have a big sponsor that we're going to be announcing tomorrow uh, that is going to be working on helping a lot of these new coiners have a very seamless experience to start interacting with Bitcoin. So uh, sometimes I think hardcore Bitcoiners look at Bitcoin 2022 and they, they kind of give us heat because, you know, we're not 100% catering only to hardcore Bitcoiners. And, you know, I get it. I'm a hardcore Bitcoiner myself. But this is really a, a big tent event. Like, we are trying to bring people in and show them what Bitcoiners are like, right? And how awesome Bitcoin is. So uh, just know that that's the intention. And, you know, I think we're succeeding. I think we're definitely succeeding. And uh, last year was a huge success. This year, you know, all signs point to, uh, point to huge success and i'm really excited i'm really really excited sound money fest is going to be sick like no matter what you think about steve aoki it's gonna it's gonna be a great time so you know put on your blinders you know drink a beer or whatever whatever uh fits your uh how you party and uh and have a great time the ck just he barely touched on it but another key aspect here that was very important to us is that literally every single thing at the conference can be bought with bitcoin uh or lightning uh, that includes beers, that includes burritos, that includes t-shirts, literally everything. Fantastic. Super excited. Want to welcome up Mark Moss. Good morning, brother. Hey, morning, guys. Just uh, sipping my morning coffee. It's still early on the West Coast. Listen to you guys. Getting super excited about the conference. Sounds awesome. Um, art and music, combining those two with Bitcoin, culture, bringing culture back. Uh, sounds like a great idea. Especially in today's day and age, it seems like, um, you know, with the way culture has gone today, whether it's uh, Marx's influence or whatever you want to call it, we've seen uh, really art's been destroyed, you know, and um, to kind of bring it back and bring beauty back. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I think it really blends well with Bitcoin. It's a sign of uh, it's a sign of abundance and capital, right? Like historically, art only happens when you have division of labor and of wealth really so it's awesome um a quick thing to add to what ck was saying in in regards to hardcore bitcoiners and what the purpose of the conference is and all that like i'm fairly new compared to a lot of you guys here like a lot of ogs around here and um i'd just like to say that like when we run this space the whole purpose is all of the people who are new who are coming to bitcoin like Unless you want to continually be viewed as a as a uh, you know small cult like group of people, you got to open it up, man. Open it up. There's seven billion people on the planet. 
We need to learn to be welcoming to those people, embrace them, teach them, help them. That's the whole point here, guys. Don't get lost. Don't get stuck in the weeds on this shit. Go ahead, CK. You know, I was going to say, well, the thing is that Bitcoiners, are, Bitcoiners want to help. Bitcoiners are the most friendly and helpful people out there. So that's why it makes so much sense to try to get as many people as possible to meet Bitcoiners at the Bitcoin conference, to bring like-minded people together, because that's the most friendly, helpful environment, period. You know, Bitcoin 2019, that's where Swan Bitcoin was initially conceived. That's where Jan and Corey met, right? So I know Corey, he was in the audience. I know that Brady was at that event too and met those two as well. So, um, you know, this is, this is where th magic happens is at this conference uh, when like plants come together and uh, when you expose new people to Bitcoin. I, I, can't, I can tell you countless stories of people who are like, yeah, I was on the fence, I was into crypto, and then I went to the Bitcoin conference and that showed, like that's when I, I, I really saw that Bitcoin was different and special. So, uh, you know, again, I think we're going to do, do that again here. Uh, we haven't even started talking about the speakers or the announcements, but uh, I know that <laughs> there are, tons and tons of them being uh being planned and and scheduled and uh, i know that there's several companies in the space and several is probably an understatement uh that are you know working at breakneck speeds trying to get a feature done or get their latest partnership set up before this event so that way they can announce it so uh it's just news is going to be happening and uh you know the world is going to be changing in days at the conference yeah, Bitcoin 2019 was when I first met Corey and Brady. Yeah, um, I'll just, I was planning on coming up and popping up here at some point anyway. Um, so this is the perfect moment. But CK inviting me to a beefsteak at his place in San Francisco with about 30 people who were in some way or another the you know players in the space i met Stefan for the first time matt for the first time marty uh max kaiser and stacy um peter mccormick uh pierre rochard and it was really amazing um because at that point i was a year and a half into bitcoin uh seriously into bitcoin uh my podcast was only five six months old um and you know it was just amazing to meet all these people that I've been reading and learning from for so long. And it was, it was at that conference um, that made it happen. And yes, I met Corey and Jan for the first time. Um, and then, you know, here we are, um, you know, two and a half years later, uh, having started a, a Bitcoin company and uh, working with all those guys, uh, you know, including Stefan and Brandon Quidham, who become good friends. Um, so it's amazing the opportunities that the conference provides and if anybody out there is sort of on the fence about going, uh, you know, it's a little expensive to travel and to get there, but it's absolutely worth it, especially if you're looking to get sort of, in, you know, into the Bitcoin space and, and work in the space. Um, it's there's no other opportunity in the entire year that's, that's better than the Bitcoin conference. I remember I remember that beefsteak. That was, a, I think, that was a really special beefsteak for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, Bitcoin twenty twenty, or sorry, Bitcoin twenty nineteen. Uh, it was, it was really awesome, just because it was a bear market conference too. So like, it was just pure, pure signal. That was such a special event. But you know, since then, 
you know, we've kept that energy going into, you know, these, these newer events and Bitcoin 21 was just like, I just think that it, it, it really showed a lot of people like how, how big Bitcoin has gotten and how professional Bitcoin has gotten. And, and a lot of jaws dropped when they walked into the main hall of Bitcoin 20, 2021. Um, and, and this year we're going to do that again. Like Bitcoin has gotten bigger. The space has gotten bigger. Everything is, you know, the entire industry is just so much more well capitalized uh, that that we can afford to put on an event like this. Like when we're when we're talking Bitcoin twenty two, you know, we're talking about like Comic Con stats. You know, like the production that's going into this thing is insane. There are hundreds, if not, you know, close to a thousand. Um, just production employees that are going to be, you know, working the floors and putting this thing on. Uh, so it, it's going to be next level. And, uh, you know, like Mike, like, like Matt said, uh, the main stage is the second, if not the first biggest stage that the production company has ever built. So uh, the main stage area is 50,000 seats. So for those who are there at Bitcoin 21, the main stage was pretty much standing room the entire time. And that was about 4,000. So uh, we're more than three Xing the main stage in terms of capacity. Uh, and that it's probably going to be standing room again. Like honestly, uh, that's how big the announcements are going to be. You know, when certain people are on stage like Thaler or President Kelly, it's going to be standing room again, despite the seats. I want to add a little anecdotal thing here. So as far as the value of getting together at places or conferences like this um, and getting around Bitcoiners, like there's a lot of people right now that are looking at Bitcoin and they're considering whether they should buy any or not. I mean, I'm, I talk to these people all day, every day. And, you know, there are people who are sitting on 401ks or IRAs or they have other property or they have other assets. Um, maybe they have, you know, their portfolios allocated into equities or whatever the case may be. And they're curious about Bitcoin. They're, they're thinking that they should probably take a position, but they just don't know. You know, this happens a lot. And I can tell you, like, Tone just had his conference this last weekend. And I, one of my clients was there and uh, he called me immediately afterwards and he, he I'm not going to dox him or how much he did, but he did a substantial amount after the conference. And it's because of what he learned there. And his whole thing was, I just, I just wanted to get comfortable with this thing. I didn't understand it. I needed to learn about it. And the level of conviction that he walked away. And this is not a stupid guy. This guy owns businesses in multiple industries, extremely wealthy dude. Um, not dumb. I will tell you that, if you're sitting on the fence, you don't know whether you should be investing in Bitcoin, go to this conference. You'll figure it out. One thing I'd say to that is um, to add on to that, I was at Tone's event, by the way. It was, it was awesome. A little, little, little smaller than what uh, Bitcoin 22 will do, a little more intimate. But um, I would also agree, you know, I think a lot of times we see on Twitter people say that, you know, People are turned off by the by the you know Bitcoin maximalists or toxic Bitcoiners or whatever, um, and and maybe that's you know the case sometimes on Twitter, but in real life in in person at these events, um, I think kind of to what CK was saying. I mean, they couldn't be more helpful. Um, you know, everybody seems to just want to take the time and explain it to people. 
it's really open, you know, re really being opened up and um, yeah, it's super helpful. So for anybody on the fence, whether like CK was saying, whether they're for the art or for the music, uh, but being there around Bitcoiners who, like I said, typically I've seen have been super helpful and welcoming in real life could really make a big difference. Yeah, Alex, and uh, to add to what you're saying, if this is a signal, I, I have a client that used to make fun of me all the time with Bitcoin. So if it's one of those guys that when Bitcoin's price was down, would shoot me a text in the morning, go, hey, Rob, how's that Bitcoin thing doing? And I'm like, you piece of shit, Bob. I can't believe you're every time. Every time you see it go down, he would he'd shoot me a text. And then so recently he's been hitting me up and saying, oh, I bought another full coin. I bought another full coin. I bought another full coin. This is a, a high profile client of mine that's in the from the gold business. Uh owns a ton of precious metals was so anti-bitcoin and the guy's just been stacking bitcoin like n nobody's business lately uh and so it just goes to show you like a lot of people don't understand this but a huge amount of people in precious metals have a cold storage device in their vault now and it's 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 sad to see the two communities divided as much as they are but if you took i, I keep saying that if you stripped away the asset if you stripped away gold or bitcoin and then you had a bulletin point list of what this human stands for in the world it would be the exact same person uh, and so it's just, I want to see that community start bridging more, but, and that's, that's something I have been seeing on a, uh, firsthand basis. I think that's a really good point that, uh, Alex and Rob made is that there is nothing more bullish than going to a 30,000 or if Matt likes to say it, 45,000 person Bitcoin event where everyone you meet is insanely convicted knowledgeable and friendly right like that's that's the situation that we're setting up and we're trying to bring a ton of curious people from miami there we're trying to bring a ton of curious people from all the local colleges there and we're you know i think we are setting ourselves up to really demonstrate the best of bitcoiners at this event so uh, you know, if there's anyone who's on the fence, they're they're going to be smashing by after this conference. Uh, historically, there's been like these like quote unquote conference pumps. So I'm not, I, I don't want to like you know jinx or anything like that. But um, this event is going to be insanely bullish. Definitely not priced in. Uh, a lot of connections are going to happen at this event. A lot of people are going to flip from shitcoiner to bitcoiner. A lot of people are going to go from no coiner to coiner. So uh, it's it's really going to be special. You're not going to want to miss it. And, I, you know, I can tell you this uh, with the, sab the sadness and solace that I am not part of this group because I am not on the conference team specifically. But there's about 40 people who are on the conference team at our team at, at our company. And I can tell you that they have been working weekends for the past like six weekends. And they're going to be working weekends for the next four weekends to put this thing on. So, like, we are really, really, you know, doing every single thing that we can to put on the best event possible uh, to to create a special environment for Bitcoiners to do their thing. Uh, and honestly, like, when I'm on, <laughs> I check Slack on Saturday morning sometimes, and it's bust. Like, people are working, people are posting pictures from the office, like, it's insane. So uh, we're leaving it all in the field, y'all. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really amazing. So I really encourage people, uh, don't don't hesitate. Invest in yourself. Come to the conference. It's 100% investment in yourself. And it's going to pay dividends. I, uh, 
Yeah, on the conference side, it's absolutely insane right now. Everyone's just going 150%. And anyone who's was involved with the conference last year knows that uh, we haven't even hit like peak stress levels yet. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're at crunch time. We're always at crunch time and crunch time is going to get even more crunchy going forward. Um, but just a small anecdote, uh, CK dropped, you know, conference bump. Um, obviously people will not let me forget about my 200 K by conference day call last year. Uh, but before that happened in 2019, uh, we ended Bitcoin 2019 uh, with a live rabbit hole recap. It was me, Marty, uh, Francis, Pierre, and Bitcoin Sign Guy. And I told everybody to uh, to stack live um, in person. And that was the local top. I think it was like $13,000. And for two years, uh, we didn't pass that 13K mark. And just everyone was just constantly trolling me on Twitter um, that I was the top signal. So it's just funny how, I don't know, it's just funny how quick things move. At Bitcoin 2019, that was actually a really big part of the insane environment there is. If you go back, look at the 2019 chart, uh, I believe in June, you will see that, you know, there's this anomaly where Bitcoin goes from like 6K to 13K in like a month. And literally the very top was the last day of comp. Um, I think there was like the plus token scam or something like that started dumping dumping after that uh, and uh, really suppressed the price for the next two years. But Matt literally was the top signal um, in, in 2019. And uh, I have to say, it really added a lot to the conference to just have the price on, on the big screen and just have it like break 11K, break 12K at the event like that everyone was feeling very very euphoric so you know price is up tone is bullish 28 days to go maybe uh maybe we're we're doing some big fat green candles at the conference that'd be awesome what was it like a 2019 it was like every time uh every time there was a speaker change uh the price would go up on the main stage so like it would be like a 35 minute panel and the price would go up and everyone would see the price would go up on on the screen and it'd be up like $900 or something. Everyone would lose their fucking shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask a question to the panel. Um, you mentioned there's going to be lots of vendors there you could buy with Bitcoin or through Lightning. Any suggestions on best wallet to do that with? So, I mean, we have, um, I think Bitcoin P2P uh, without a middleman. Um, so what we've, I, like I made a quick guide for them. Uh, it is on my Twitter uh, to use Moon Wallet with two U's um, in terms of receiving, at least for the vendors that have not uh, received, Bitcoin, have not used Bitcoin before, just because I think it's an extremely easy way to use Bitcoin. Um and on the sender side, I would also echo the sentiment on Moon Wallet, uh, just because, you know, with Moon, you load it up, uh, you just you run it, you download it from the App Store, either App Store, you run it, you follow the backup process. It's a very simple backup process. And then what's cool is it has this unified balance. So. Yeah, I was going to say, Moon. I've been using Moon. It's it's a lot. It's uh, a very, very convenient first wallet, um, especially for uh, for those new out there, especially because it, you know, 
on balance and on chain balance, and then it lets you spend to lightning or receive via lightning. Um, so it's really cool and seamless again for for those new folks. Uh, but there's a lot of really great wallets out. There. I, I remember Bitcoin 2019. We did like a five dollar lightning Bitcoin airdrop, uh, and it only worked like wallet of Satoshi. Uh, now there's like ten or fifteen wallets that I would recommend. Uh, so. There's a lot of great wallets out there. You know, if you're a Bitcoiner, you already kind of have your stuff set up. I would just drop the the like the obvious uh, advice that you shouldn't bring a hardware wallet with you, and you definitely shouldn't bring uh, any substantial funds with you. So just bring enough to to mess around with. You know, a couple hundred bucks so you can buy some swag. Um, we will be selling hardware wallets. All your favorite hardware wallets will be on sale for Bitcoin and cash in person. They're going to be delivered to us directly from the manufacturers. So um, I know that people don't like to buy hardware wallets online. Uh, so we purposely make sure that we stock a lot of old cars, treasures, ledgers, et cetera, you know, all the go-tos uh, at the conference store. So that way uh, people can buy them directly from us. Uh, so definitely if you're planning on stocking up on hardware wallets at the event, you know, make sure you have enough funds to do so. But um, again, uh, lots of lots of great options. Moon Wallet's great. Check out Matt's guide. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this event, like we're thinking through all the little details that, details that Bitcoiners care about, all the way down to, you know, what kind of swag is at the store and uh, that you can buy hardware wallets with cash, et cetera. Hey, just one other thing, if I could add, Alec, okay, not getting paid to do this at all, but the one thing I discovered with Moon, and there are some other ways to do it, but if you do have some lightning funds that you want to pull out and get back on chain, let's say you have them in Blue Wallet, you know, I discovered I could send it to Moon Wallet and then get those funds back on chain relatively inexpensively. So that was, that was a nice, nice little feature. Yeah, Moon does a really good job of just like bridging the gap uh, between Lightning and on-chain. Um, obviously, there's trade-offs. Everything has trade-offs. Uh, it's yet to be seen how it'll handle a high on-chain fee environment, uh, but we don't have one of those yet. Um, but like CK said, I would echo what CK said, is that there are a lot of great wallets. Obviously, Lightning is an open standard. Bitcoin is an open standard. So all of them will be compatible. And I would also double down on what CK said, just from a security point of view. Um, this is going to be an event with a lot of Bitcoiners. Um, don't make yourself a target. Uh, you should be carrying around spending cash on your phone. Um, you should not be carrying around your life savings. It should be the amount that you'd be willing to have in your back pocket in terms of, of actual dollar bills. And, and that's it. Sweet. You know, um, speaking of security, in two or three weeks, we're going to be doing a, a Cafe Bitcoin. We're just going to be talking about security best practices for conferences and then also how to get the best out of the conference, just tips and tricks and things like that. So if uh, either you guys, CK, Odell, want to be a part of that, we'll we'll connect with you guys. We're going to have a good guy, Biker, who's really freaking good with security. Um, and Stefan Levera is going to come talk about, like, how to, like, pro conference. <laughs> Because he's like the pro conference. He goes to more conferences probably than anybody that I know. That, I mean, that's a great idea. I'd be happy to join. Uh, just a, a key thing to make clear here is we are very aware that there was some shortcomings in uh, our security last year. Um, and we're taking it very seriously. Uh, we are not using the same company. And it's going to be, uh, you know, 
much more professional in that regard. So something else is happening right around to something uh, interesting that by the time the conference start, uh, the 19 million Bitcoin should have been mine. That's pretty cool. That's cool. We should uh, we should do some marketing around that. So uh, thanks for the tip, Ant. All right. So this has been a pretty fantastic conversation. Are you guys cool if we open it up for questions? If uh, people from the audience want to ask some questions, um, if you're in the audience, by the way, I'm not checking DMs during the show anymore. So join our Telegram group. The link should be in the nest. If you want to ask questions in text, you can ask the questions there. Otherwise, if you want to come up. You're welcome to come up, ask a question in person, um, and we'll just open it up. So if you're up here on the panel already, you have questions, go ahead. Let's see some hands, let it rip. And then if you're in the audience and you know, ask your questions. Now's the time. Tomer. Hey, man. I just wanted to say this is going to be my first time. I've been in Bitcoin for nine years. This is going to be my first time going to the conference. I'm so excited. I'm still working out. Uh, getting my book printed and hopefully being able to autograph it and sell it there as well. So I, this is just uh, every one of these people on stage is someone I'm dying to meet in person who I haven't met in person. And so I'm hoping to meet every one of you guys and all of you people in the audience as well. I'm hoping to get a chance to meet. It's just, um, I can't, I can't even really describe the emotion. Uh, last, last year I attended remote remotely, right. I uh, vicariously, and I had this incredible um, experience, even though I wasn't there directly, I, I ended up writing a couple of articles about it, one of which was about the artwork that you mentioned that Fractal Encrypt did. And that led to the person who bought the work of art reaching out to me and asking me to write another particular piece, which ended up never being published as a written piece because it ended up being the movie that I made called Bitcoin is Generational Wealth. Because after I wrote it, I said, let's make this into a movie, which which he agreed uh, to do. So even though I've never been down to the conference, it's changed my life. And I never thought I would ever make a movie about Bitcoin. And uh, I ended up being part of one that I was just so proud of. Um, and it was all because of the conference. So I can't wait to see what being there in real life is going to be like. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Shane, go ahead, brother. Hey, just real quick, and because of what Tomer was saying, made me think of something similar. Um, you know, my story is about a year ago started out not Bitcoin only, but when Bitcoin uh, twenty twenty, you know, I watched it all online and watched almost every video I could, and that that was a big contributor in me deciding, you know, to get rid of all the altcoins, sell them all, you know, to go to Bitcoin only. And of course, you know, a number of people on the stage, Odell, you know, I know you were in some of the videos, CK, I watch a lot of your interviews that you had done. So you guys obviously had a, a major impact on me making what I think is the best decision I've ever made in my life, you know, with regards to finances and, and money. So I just want to say, rather than a question, thank you for all your contribution. That's awesome. And it's awesome to see you like diving into Bitcoin. Uh, like I, I think I've given uh, Tone and Ansel Lindner huge shout outs for kind of getting me on board in 2017. So, you know, it's, it's all part of the process. So 
uh, love the class of 2020 and the class of 2021. There's so many awesome new Bitcoiners. A lot of them work for Bitcoin Magazine. I can't tell you how many like awesome Bitcoiners we uh, we interview who are like, oh yeah, I got into Bitcoin in 2020. I'm like, wow, wow. I'm I'm glad that you're here. Uh, and again, uh, that's what this event is about: is you know bringing more awesome people into the fold. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Crypto Graffiti, who's in the audience. He contributed some of the most awesome artwork last year to our art gallery. Uh, and I have no doubt that he'll do the same thing this year. I honestly have no idea, but uh, big expectations. So no pressure, man. Hey, Alex. Um, I just wanted to say real quick, popped into my mind, you know, we're talking about meeting all these people from Bitcoin Twitter for the first time in real life and stuff. And what's interesting is, and this happened last year too, I met so many people from Swan for the first time in real life. We're a fully remote company. I know that's the case for a lot of people. And uh... you're muted, Brady. He's in the matrix. Yeah, and muted all at the same time. I'm fine. Like what he was saying is. <laughs> He met a lot of people from Swan. Like I'm fired up too because I'm new with Swan. Like I just started the end of last year, towards the end of last year, and I have not met all my teammates yet. I met some of them, but I'm super fired up for that. By the way, uh, Shane's story about converting from shitcoiner to Bitcoiner at the conference, freaking love that. Um, man, this is I should we should have thought about this. If there's a gigantic screen we can put up somewhere with a QR code, maybe we need to figure this out. If you're, if you're one of the engineers on the Swan team listening to this, <laughs> we have this product. We don't talk about it that much, but it's called CRAP. That's the acronym. It's the Crypto Recycling Amnesty Program. It's one way only. You can convert your shit coin into Bitcoin. So guys, we need to figure out how to do that. We can put up a gigantic screen somewhere. So as people see the light during the conference, <laughs> they can convert live. Hey, um, Alex, if you don't mind, one other quick shout out since Mark's on stage as well. Just Mark, just watched your, uh, the video you released yesterday on, on um, you know, self-custody basically. And I thought that was timely. So appreciate you releasing that. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, um, it was a talk I gave at uh, Tones Unconfiscatable. I figured uh, un that with the event Unconfiscatable, the name of the talk was Bitcoin, come and get it. Uh, you know what? I get I don't know, 5,000 comments a week and across my platforms. And one of the most common things I hear is, but won't the government make it illegal? <laughs> uh, as well as we have a real war fighting. Uh, looks like it's going to be aiming probably at the self-custody piece. Of course, self-custody came front and center with uh, Canada and, and Russia now. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin, come and take it. Um, hopefully it fires up the troops and shows the importance of why we need to custody our own assets. It really is staggering how many times you'll get that comment. Well, they, they can freeze your, your account on Bitcoin, can't they? They can freeze it. For those of you listening and you're new and you don't know, they... <laughs> The Canadian government said, yeah, we're freezing these addresses, these wallets. That's not possible to do. They can't do that, just so you know. I like to say you can have my Bitcoin when you break elliptical curve cryptography and SHA-256. Until then, they're mine.
Okay. Yeah, it was just about um, if there are any plans to do any kind of sister events or, or something of that nature in in London. I would absolutely love um, to get out to to the event. It's not going to happen this year for me. Two reasons: I've got a little one, <clears throat> expecting another child very soon, but also um, I don't know about all the vaccination nonsense. If I can or can't get in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so just wanted to know if there are any plans to sort of expand into, you know, London or any other territories and run events there. Yeah, great question. Uh, and congrats on the, the upcoming baby uh, and totally get it. Uh, let me just say that, uh, you know, Tomer mentioned the being there virtually. Uh, we are working very hard to have the best possible live stream as well as get recordings from every single talk up onto Bitcoin Magazine YouTube as quickly as possible. So, uh, you know, uh, you will have no problem at least consuming all of the onstage content. But the best part about the conference job is the networking and being there in person. I have been pushing really hard for um, making this conference into an international conference again, and I just don't think that's possible in the U.S. right now. So uh, there's very few cities in the world that, like, make sense. Uh, so there's definitely going to be very hard conversations post-conference about it. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pull to just dominate Miami because at this point, you know, we're on Miami's calendar and uh, city, uh, the city is kind of doing their best to keep us. But uh, obviously, travel restriction in the U.S. is, is uh, a pretty big barrier for our international audience. Um, there's also talks about creating two events and having a main event and a secondary event in a different place. Uh, you know, all of this stuff is like way too early to, you know, make any commitments, but, you know, we definitely hear you and, you know, we're trying to think through what makes the most sense. Also, I'm just hearing rumors that some of those restrictions uh, will be lifted. So fingers crossed on that. I'm not that optimistic, but might as well hope for it. I mean, UK-wise, most restrictions, if well, all restrictions are gone. And in terms of kind of, you know, travel into the UK, I think it's pretty laid back now compared to some of the other countries. I would just love to go to the event. Um, but yeah, the, the, there are certain things holding me back at the moment, which means I can't make it. But as you said, CK, uh, I, I love the whole virtual aspects of it. it. That's amazing. That's brilliant. But But nothing... Um, I don't think nothing can compare to actually being there in person, meeting, you know, like-minded people, meeting all you people that, you know, I get to chat to every day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, look, maybe next year, it, hopefully next year it will be different. Um, I'll, I'll hold out for then. This year's virtual experience is going to be next level. Next level. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop too many hints there, but uh, last year it pretty much was, streaming the main stage and we are taking the production value up 10x i know brady's in the audience brady's going to be a part of that so uh, i'm really hyped john welcome to the stage what's up you guys hey i was just gonna say noodle uh maybe a good option would be to connect with your local meetup are you in london are you in a big city or are you what part of the uk are you in he can't answer you because i took him off oh. the stage to bring you up here <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah 
Well, I was, you know, since the live stream is such high quality, uh, I was just going to say it'd be a good, good call for anyone who runs a local meetup or is part of a local meetup to um, coordinate just like a little get together, live streaming some of the some of the sessions, whether it's at your house or whether it's at a bar or somewhere. Um, I think it'd be really cool for the, for everyone who can't make it to the actual conference. It's a great idea. People should do uh, watch parties, and maybe uh, that's something I can talk to marketing about as well. For those of you who want to be there but won't, and you're like loyal uh, listeners to Cafe Bitcoin, we're going to be doing the show during the conference. We're going to keep doing that. We'll be sort of reporting live as to what's going on, et cetera, and um, hopefully be able to drag some of the speakers in to, to talk about what's going on and I just keep you updated. Speaking of speakers, let's talk a little bit about the lineup. CK? The lineup is so fire. It's so fire. Um, I'm going to actually pass it to Matt, who I think can talk in depth. Uh, but again, we have five plus stages. Uh, and I think most importantly is that oh, for this audience is that open source stage, which Matt has been working extremely hard on uh, just to have, you know, the best, most technical Bitcoin content possible. But, you know, across all the stages, some really big notable names is uh, the newest uh, big person getting into Bitcoin is Jordan Peterson. Uh, so he's confirmed to be at the event and we're going to be working out some really spicy content with him. Uh, we have Kaylee, uh, the president of El Salvador, uh, coming this time in person. Last time he made the announcement about the Bitcoin bill virtually at the conference. This time he's going to be there in person. He's been tweeting about uh, lining up huge announcements for the conference. So that's going to be extremely exciting. Uh, we have Elizabeth Stark, Cynthia Lummis, Kathy Wood, all huge heavy hitters in the space. Someone I'm super excited for is uh, Yeon May Park, uh, who is a dissident who escaped North Korea uh, and is very pro freedom and has been speaking out about speaking out against a lot of the censorship that's happening in the Western world today. So it's going to be really interesting to talk to her in the context of Bitcoin. Uh, but I would recommend everyone go to b.tc/conference. You can go check out our entire speaker page, but. There are a ton of speakers already listed, and uh, I believe next week we're going to be dropping a lot of the programming as well. So uh, a lot of content to get excited about, and uh, there's going to be content for everyone, and there's going to be a place for everyone. And, you know, like Matt said, the open source stage itself is the, one of the biggest open source and technical uh, conferences by, you know, just, just as a sub part of this overall conference experience. But the main stage is going to be huge. There's going to be huge announcements there. And, uh, and you know, there's going to be several, several sessions where, you know, we have standing room uh, despite having 50,000 seats. Yeah, I mean, as, as CK said, if you go to conference, you can see all the speakers we've already announced. Um, we still have more to announce, uh, a decent amount more, maybe... I'm just spitballing, but maybe even, or maybe we're at like 50% of the speakers we've announced. Uh, just to show like what kind of crunch time we're under in terms of getting all these, you know, every all the speakers need to sign forms, get onboarded, 
uh, before we announce them. Um, he touched on Yonmi Park. Uh, I'm very excited about that conversation. We actually have a bunch of dissidents uh, coming in and activists coming in to speak at the event, um, which I'm very proud of and very excited about because truly I believe this is a mission about freedom and this is about freedom money. Um, so we've been working with Gladstein and the Human Rights Foundation uh, to fly a bunch of them in, and they're going to have some really great conversation. Um, we have we have so many good speakers that some of these people like get announced, and people are just like they I, they just don't even realize the significance of it. I mean, uh, today we announced Orlando Bravo, which is a name that probably most people in the Bitcoin space don't know. Um, Forbes has him listed as the 158th richest man in the world. He's worth $6.3 billion. Um, so his conversation, uh, he's going to be up there with some other billionaires. It should be very fucking interesting. Um, on the open source stage, I mean, we have, a, a, you know, as many talented devs as possible. People like Matt Corallo, Luke Dasher uh, is going to be making his first appearance at a Bitcoin conference. Um, Christian Decker, Carl, Do Carl Dong, Taj Dryja, um, Polstra is going to be there. Andre Nevis is going to be there. Just like all rock stars in the Bitcoin developer world. Peter Todd. Um, very, very excited. And the majority of the open source stage programming, I actually teased it earlier uh, when I was listing some of the topics, has not been announced. I think we've announced five, five panels on the open source stage so far. Um, and the total should be... The total is going to be about 20, 21 panels across all three days. Um, so we just have a lot of exciting, exciting things to announce over the next couple of, but just keep, just keep paying attention to b.tc slash conferences. Everything is listed there. Man, the whole Jordan Peterson thing to me is mind blowing because, you know, of all that stuff that recently happened in Canada, he's obviously not a huge fan of what went down there. So being able to hear what he has to say live about one of the sort of key, you could even call it a pillar Western nation that, that typically historically has always stood for freedom. You know, you got this situation where this guy is using emergency war powers to, to seize the bank accounts and assets of peaceful citizens who have really done nothing outside of what their enumerated rights are within the Canadian charter. Like it's just mind boggling that that just happened, you know, and in the, the news cycle being what it is, I mean, we've all moved on. Very few people are even talking about it anymore, but it's like, that's a huge freaking wake up call, man. That's going to be awesome to hear what he has to say about that. hundred percent. Um, it is pretty crazy how fast everything's moving right now that that was like two, three weeks ago. And now we're just on to war. Um, another thing that I didn't mention, uh, that would behoove me to mention is just like the mining stage lineup we have is absolutely unreal. Um, and what's really cool about it is we, we, we took, uh, we were very careful to, to really, show the full landscape of mining. So it's not just, uh, it's a mix of these big warehouse miners, the public miners, right? Like the, the riots of the world, um, 
the marathons of the world, these large publicly traded companies. But then it's also like a mix of the miners that I like to say, like uh, are going to come in with like oil stains on their shirt and hard hats on um, that really get their hands dirty in the off grid world. And then we're going to have the home miners there as well who are mining for no KYC Bitcoin and are trying to heat their homes. Um, there's going to be an immersion setup there, a demo, a immersion demo there. So you can see miners running in immersion liquid uh, that cools them way more efficiently than than air-cooled miners. Um, so really, this event is just going to have, I, I think it, it really does cater to, Bitcoin has become such a massive thing, and it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I think all those different types of people will be able to really take away something truly special from this event. Yeah, it's fantastic. Cynthia Lummis is another speaker who's really interesting to me. Um, and just being able to hear her perspective on um, how members of government view Bitcoin is going to be really good. Yeah, Senator Lummis is a real one, our queen. Um, I there's ama- It's amazing how many politicians we're going to have. We're going to have mayors, governors, senators, president of presidents of countries like that's it's you know bitcoin's on the world stage now again like both matt and i were at bitcoin 2019 which was the biggest event of its kind at the time um but it's really just breathtaking to see how how far this event has come and again this event is a reflection of how far the bitcoin ecosystem come. you know the bitcoin ecosystem effectively makes this possible both by Bitcoiners showing up person as well as, you know, the companies in the space funding thing. Uh, you know, really that's what the sponsorships do is pay for this thing to happen. So uh, again, this is just a reflection of how big we're making Bitcoin. Uh, so I think it really is a, both a testament as well as a celebration to the Bitcoin. All right. So we got about 10 minutes ish left in the show. Um, is there anything in particular, CK, that you want to hit? And then we'll go with Matt. Anything particular you want to hit? If you have final questions, now's the time to, to ask those. If you're still up here on the panel and uh, think start thinking about your closing statement. So go ahead, CK. Yeah, so I guess I've been hitting on this a lot because I've been getting on spaces talking about the conference, but... All of the content for this event is going to be documented, recorded, and posted to YouTube, you know, in a very, very timely manner after the event. So if you're going to the event, which I highly recommend, you should prioritize hanging out with Bitcoiners and networking as much as possible. So we're going to be announcing the agenda very soon. We're going to be dropping our app very soon. That will allow you to go and you know, specifically tease out the most important content that you have to see in person. If any of that content is like a big announcement on the main stage, show up early to make sure that you can get a seat. But beyond that, go to your most, like the 10 out of 10 must see content for you. Go to that stuff. But beyond that, hang out with Bitcoiners. We're creating an amazing environment to have fun. We're going to have drinks. You know, people are going to be having a great time. Uh, there's going to be food. There's going to be cool places to lounge and hang out and just chill. And that's what I would recommend. I would recommend go hitting the exhibitor hall, especially if you want a job in the Bitcoin space. 
talk to all your favorite companies because they're all going to be there and really get the most of the in-person experience and network your butt off. At night, you go and download all the YouTube videos, make sure that you're set up for your flight back, and then you can watch all the other content. And every single time we point one of these things off, I know I have the most amazing feeling in my, in my heart, in my chest. So uh, I'm excited for that. And uh, yeah, I mean, 28 days. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I 100% co-sign uh, TK's message. Uh, our agenda is uh, we've taken painstaking attempts to make it as fucking awesome as possible. Um, but ultimately, uh, the best part is hanging out with Bitcoiners and meeting Bitcoiners and chilling with them and having conversations offline, not recorded, um, where the real meat, you really get down to the real meat. Um, I would say a couple of things here. First of all, um, ticket prices do increase on the 18th. Um, you know, we've seen oil skyrocket and energy costs are skyrocketing. So if you are thinking about going, uh, you probably should get your plane tickets earlier rather than later. Uh, you know, as a result of energy costs going up, plane tickets are going up in price. Hotels are getting booked. Um, and you do save 30% if you pay in Bitcoin. We are a Bitcoin company. Um, and our price at 30% discount paid in Bitcoin. Awesome. We want your sats and we, and we stack them. We, we, those go straight to our copper. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to accumulate well and, uh, we're willing to give you a fat, fat discount for it. Partially as like a hat tip to Bitcoiners who actually have Bitcoin to pay for the tickets as well as, uh, as well as, you know, we just want your sats. So thanks. BTC Inc. is all in. If uh, Bitcoin goes to zero, so does that company. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Hell yes. All right. Um, any other questions from the panel? I'm going to start checking some DMs here in case we have some questions coming in from DM. While you do that, I just wanted to uh, thank you all for your time. And this has been a really fantastic conversation. A huge thank you to all the listeners as well. Co-sign that. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks so much to the SWAN team who uh, puts out this great content they show every single morning. I know a lot of work goes into making that ball. Yeah, it's a great team. You know, Aunt Shane. Sats for life. Uh, there's a lot of stuff heavy lifting. Jacob Pope's the producer goes goes into the back end of this thing. There's no way that I could do this. <laughs> if they came to me and said, "Hey, we need you to do all the editing and all the stuff that goes into making this thing work," I'd be like, "Yeah, just shoot me." By the way, um, we're gonna have a Bitcoiner jobs booth at the conference. So like a little bit ago, CK was saying, if you want to work in Bitcoin, go network. I agree with that. Hell yeah. Go network. Also stop by the Bitcoiner, uh, Bitcoinerjobs.com booth because uh, there's going to be a great way to connect there as well. Also co-sign that message. Yeah, also for anyone interested in it, who's going to be in Miami kind of before the conference week, um, I'm going to be connecting with a lot of the local Bitcoiners 
in Miami, having done the the Miami Bitcoiners meetup, um, we just have a really solid group there. So a group of us are getting together on Sunday afternoon for kind of a locals pre-conference brunch, a little uh, cocktail party on the rooftop in Miami Beach. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Um, and then on Tuesday, uh, during the day, I'm hosting a sovereign training day. So I'm got basically a world-class firearm instructor who's going to take um, a small group of us, Francis Poyo's coming, um, and a couple others are signing up, and we're going to spend basically four and a half hours honing our firearm defense skills. Um, what, and then what day is that, that, John? What day is that? That's Tuesday, the the fifth, April fifth. Okay. All right, because we're yeah. going to do the same thing. That's funny. There's going to be two different groups doing that. We're, oh, we're really? ours is going to be on Sunday, um, the tenth. Oh, but yeah. Good to know. Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you can bookend, um, bookend the conference with some solid. With some pew pew, pew pew. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, and after that, we're doing jujitsu training with uh, Marius Berry in Miami. So more info that on that is uh, definitely in my. It's on my profile on my pin tweet. So feel Fantastic. free to check it out. Also, Fantastic. lots going on with Swan. Uh, we've got the. Um, women's brunch that's going on on wednesday during wednesday the 6th so be sure to check that out i heard a rumor that stefan lavera is going to be doing a karaoke night leading up to the conference don't know when that's going to be but i did hear a rumor about that as well and speaking from past experience uh, i would go just to watch stefan lavera high <laughs> entertainment value guys high entertainment yeah. Yeah, so John, thanks for bringing up uh, some of the events that are happening around the conference. We have a page on d.tc forward slash conference uh, called Bitcoin Week. And like the conference is the biggest event of many, many Bitcoin events that are happening throughout Miami that entire week. So um, there's going to be tons of meetups, tons of, you know, beach runs and different like every sort of different gathering that you could imagine. So I think John uh, talked about like sovereignty training. Uh, I also know after the conference, there's going to be a gun Bitcoin conference. So like there's, there's a lot going to be happening in Miami that week. You know, personally, I think that there's going to be over a hundred thousand people in Miami for, um, for Bitcoin, like that week itself. So uh, it's, like I think people are going to be really shocked by uh, how much of a takeover of Miami. Is. Okay, can you repeat that that link for the uh, the sort of side events? It's b.tc slash conference, and then if you go there, uh, you click you click more, and then more. Bitcoin. It's b.tc slash conference slash Bitcoin dash week. I know Got we need. We need to do some work on our domains, but if you go to the main conference page, you can click around. Um, I think that was a really good point that both John and CK made. Um, I would recommend, uh, you know, trying to carve out some time that you get you get there a little bit for the conference, and also just in general with these types of events, it's a really bad idea to fly out the morning after 
Um, I've done it before. You will regret it. Try adding at least another day there as well. Your boy's flying out the morning after, so I knew better, but I still did yeah. it. Well, you're also the, the asshole who put the live counter in the Slack, so I'm not surprised. That was necessary. Um, yeah, no, I, and to add on to the Bitcoin week page, if you're planning a side event, John, I DM'd you, you can hit our submission, our, our uh, contact form and submit, uh, and submit the event that you want to attend or that you want to, uh, or that you're planning there to be listed obviously we're going to give it a quick vet but um we are we are open sourcing listing that page and uh you know we want to have you know kind of the the most up-to-date place where people can kind of get a bigger view of the entire bitcoin definitely i was in the process of filling that out actually when you dm so thanks for reminding me Let's move towards wrapping the show. CKA, any closing comments? Buy your ticket. B.TC forward slash conference. Go click on a ticket. Pay in Bitcoin to save 30% and uh, use, is it promo code SWAN? Yes, sir. Promo, promo code, code SWAN for 10%. Yeah, promo code SWAN to save 10%. So uh, if you add those up, that's 40% off. So, hey, the insiders get, get the deals on their tickets. So, uh stack those discounts invest in yourself come to this event you know noble it will change your life uh and we're working very very hard to make that happen matt any closing thoughts i just want to thank you all again uh this has been a great conversation uh i wasn't sure um if i was up to an early morning conversation uh but i was and it was enjoyable uh, and I appreciate you all, and I look forward to taking it in my Fantastic. You have been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday. We start at 7 a.m. Pacific. We roll for about two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. This is the place to get your morning news on Bitcoin. It's also becoming the preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in Bitcoin to come chill, talk about what's going on. It's also a podcast. It's up on Spotify. It's up on Apple. Everywhere you get your podcasts. Throw Swan Bitcoin to follow to be notified when it drops. Next show coming up next week. Um, Jacob, what do we got lined up for next week? Well, uh, next week. Well, I think it on my calendar. But tomorrow is Thoughts Markets by Lily, which is going to be exciting. Uh, Friday, we have All Out Parking Lots. Monday is Daniel Burr and Sid, which is the uh, biking motorcycle uh, Bitcoin conference thing, which is going to be really awesome to hear about. But mainly today at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, Swan Signal Live is running. So go be sure to check that out on YouTube, Swan Signal Live, Swan YouTube. But I'll also be um, throwing that in through Spaces. So if you just are hanging around, just hop into Spaces and we'll be broadcasting that. It's going to be an exciting episode uh, centered around mining. So uh, be sure to check that out. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for being here. If you want to learn about Bitcoin, it's a great place to do that. Thanks to the co-hosts, Swan Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine, my crew, Ant Chain, Stats for Life, producer Jacob Pope. Especially thank you to the speakers, Matt. Thanks so much for hanging out, bro. Really appreciate it, man. And CK as well. You're not on here anymore, but if you listen to this. Cheers, guys.
My name is Alex Danzik. I'm your host. I work with Swan Bitcoin, Managing Director of Swan Private. If you want to know about Swan Private, DM me or Swan or Bitcoin. Happy to help you personally. And then finally, get on the mission, guys. If you don't know what that means, hang out. You'll figure it out over time. Love all of you guys. Everybody go out there and have a great day. Crush it. Crush it.